You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum as always and we are continuing our off-season primer shows to let you know everything you need to know for the off-season position group by position group for the New York Giants and there hasn't been a lot of movement lately with the Giants coaching staff but there is one thing worth hitting on We're going to talk about that before we end up breaking down the tight end group for today's episode. The one recent coaching update was that the Giants are going to be interviewing, reportedly interviewing, former Dallas Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett. Now, that has a bit of mixed feelings from a lot of people based on if he should be brought in as the Giants offensive coordinator. And for the very reason I think a lot of people might be excited about having Jason Garrett, some others, not so excited because, well, what does he really bring to the table? Frankly, in my opinion, I don't really see Jason Garrett as a a top-quality offensive coordinator candidate right now. I think the Giants missed out on Joe Brady, who they should have been actively seeking as their offensive coordinator. Jason Garrett does not do enough for me offensively that really excites me and would really make me confident in the the offense if they brought him in. Yeah, yeah. I jokingly asked Ed talking about this earlier if the Giants do hire Jason Garrett if he comes with Kellen Moore to call plays for him because you know, Jason Garrett is a offensive coordinator play caller we have we know what kind of offense he runs he basically runs an air Coriel vertical passing game with a running the running game that goes up the middle between the tackles yeah, I'm not sure how much or how well that really fits what the Giants have. They don't have the dynamic outside receivers to really execute an air Coriel passing attack all that well. They don't have the offensive line or running back to really excel in that scheme. So just something to keep an eye on. And just I can already hear the keyboards clicking i am not saying saquon barkley is bad just that he is better running outside than between the tackles that's all i'm saying but yeah, just something to keep an eye on <laughs> it would be nice to bring in someone that does have some previous head coaching experience they also did talk to mike shula who was recently the giants offensive coordinator under pat Shermer. it is relatively up in the air there's also been rumors of Freddie Kitchens maybe being a possible candidate. We're going to have to see what ends up happening, and once we do know, we can react and break down what that means for the Giants' offense going forward, who they end up bringing in. But the recent name that has been acknowledged was Jason Garrett. On to the tight ends as we are going to be evaluating things we saw last season then also talking about things for the free agency class and also the draft class. 
As far as things we really like from this tight end group, there wasn't really a ton because it was up and down for this position group. There were a lot of different faces sliding in and out because of injury. But the big thing that we really, really liked from the tight end group was unexpected depth. And what we mean by that is Caden Smith, the undrafted free agent rookie, emerging as a really, really good developmental and backup tight end. He, to me, is a clear-cut tight end too, a guy that they can continue to develop and use in two tight end sets. He looked pretty good as a blocker as a rookie. He also had some pretty big receiving games, and he also was a huge threat in the red zone. So that's the trifecta for me. He was not overtly outstanding in every single game he played. It's also a limited sample size, but you don't need a ton from a guy that's your backup tight end. You just need what we saw from Smith to be what he does on a consistent week-to-week basis. Yeah, and that really is absolutely it with him. He it, he emerged as a very pleasant surprise, I thought, as just a consistent presence on the offense. It seemed like every game we were mentioning him as a bright spot. In some cases, one of the few bright spots on the Giants' offense. And you said it perfectly. He's a good enough blocker, yet he might not be a rogue raider like Martellus Bennett was, but he is a good enough blocker. He was a good enough receiver. He could stretch the field a little bit down the seam. He could create enough separation and make some tough catches in the red zone to score touchdowns. That's really what you want from a tight end too. And I think he would be a really good compliment going forward to Evan Ingram, who, as we all know, is just a dynamic threat, assuming he's allowed to be that. And also assuming he's on the field, which is another part that we will get into. The two of them, I think, could be a very nice tight end pairing going forward. Yeah, if you have Evan Ingram on the field and fully healthy, Caden Smith serves as a perfect complement to him because Caden Smith isn't this uber-athletic guy that it runs a, a sub 4-5 He's big. He he can make catches when needed. He'll pick up those first downs for you. So when you need Evan Ingram to come out and get a quick blow, you can pop him in there, run those two tight end sets like we discussed to get a little bit extra weight along the offensive line. Just stuff that looks really, really good as a second tight end. He's, doesn't, he's not going to have a huge, super high ceiling, but he still could develop into becoming a, a good second tight end, and that means that the Giants would have a very, very good tight end group, potentially you know, top 10 in the NFL right now. But again, we don't have a fully hel- healthy Evan Ingram every single season. This past year, we witnessed Evan Ingram miss a ton of games because of multiple nagging injuries. So he was not on the field, but when he was on the field, the one thing that always continues to amaze us is his ability to stretch the field pick up those huge gains, not just be a, a dump-off guy, a, a extra resource for a quarterback when he's in trouble like some of these other tight ends are, but rather playing like a receiver, taking a pass for over 40 to 50 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, and that really is what Engram should be. He should be considered as a primary threat on the offense because he is just an absolute matchup nightmare You can line him up pretty much anywhere. You can line him up out wide as a receiver. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up in line as a traditional tight end. You can line him up in the backfield as an H-back. And wherever you line him up, 
the defense has to account for him. They have to adjust their own alignment. You know, if you have him on a linebacker, he is going to be too fast for almost any linebacker in the NFL to catch up with and keep up with. If you have him in the slot or out wide, he's going to be too big and still a challenging athletic matchup for pretty much any safety or cornerback in the NFL. And something going forward, which whoever is running the Giants offense next year needs to needs to really take into account what Ingram could bring to the offense just as as a receiving threat, as that matchup nightmare, and as a guy who is capable when he gets the ball with some running room in front of him of breaking off huge plays. One thing I think that needs to be noted and acknowledged because it seems like during the season, once we started to see he was having these injury problems, that a lot of people were saying like, oh, he's a bust, he's overrated, they need to get rid of him. I beg the differ. I think that he has played at an elite level. He just needs to find a way to get healthy and figure out how he can best approach doing that and also how the Giants can best approach keeping him on the field much more than he's currently on it. But if you looked at his performances during the season, he had two 100-yard games and he had a bunch of games where he had over 50 receiving yards and around eight catches. That's pretty good performances from a tight end. You would hope that he plays a full season, but he only played in nine games, which really dragged him down and kept him from being as good of a player as he could possibly be. So that leads into the big thing that we did not like from this tight end group, and that is Evan Ingram not being on the field. That is a serious issue if you're one of your best offensive weapons cannot stay on the field, especially with a young quarterback like Daniel Jones. You need to have someone as talented as Evan Ingram on the field so he can be a viable option. And I think it brings up the good question of if Evan Ingram can't stay fully healthy, do they need to bring in a free agent or draft some competition for him? Because Caden Smith could also serve as that competition. They would still also have to bring in another head or something because right now, it does need to be talked about should Evan Ingram potentially be replaced if he can't play a full 16-game season in 2020. Yeah, I don't think we should really consider replacing him this offseason. But if he does miss significant time after or during the 2020 season, then that's something I think we really do have to look at and really look at the upcoming free agent class, the upcoming tight end draft class because this year and this is something we will get into in the second half those aren't great but if Ingram misses eight games again which yeah we said this during the season a midfoot sprain is that is a tricky injury to come back from just because you know if you're an athlete you're on your feet so it's very difficult for that to heal quickly but your Ingram also isn't helping the team from the trainer's table. So that it's you don't want to blame him for being injured, but you also need him to be on the field. And if he's not on the field, he's not helping you at all. I completely agree that you can't really blame him for not being fully healthy, but if you do look at his progression over the past few years, he's essentially regressing 
in his ability to play games. He played in 15 in 2017 as a rookie. He played in 11 in 2018. And then this past year, uh, the, the number was eight instead of the nine that I said earlier. So th- that's regression. That's a step back that he's playing less and less games. Eventually, something does have to be figured out. I, I say that if he does not play over at least 12 games this year, that question definitely needs to be addressed of, do we need to bring someone in? And this year's draft class, which we're going to discuss a little bit later, is not really the draft class to do that. They could bring in someone that is developmental and spend some time working with them so they could take over in their second year. But next year would probably be the best time to fully address that if they don't think Evan Ingram is the guy at tight end. That really is it. Yeah, this is kind of a make and make or break year for Ingram because the Giants have to make up their mind whether or not they want to sign him to his fifth-year extension. They, or sorry, his uh, fifth-year option, not extension. That would come later. They need to see him really live up to his promise as an athlete and see him be that matchup nightmare we know he can be and see him just rip plays out of defensive playbooks because at his best, that is what he does. We just haven't seen it consistently. All right, now we're going to discuss the offseason plan for the Giants. But before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. The plan for the tight end position for this upcoming offseason off for the Giants is a little bit different than some of the others we have discussed because they did need some type of implement, implementation of new faces to the group. But... This discussion is a little bit different. I think that the one first step of this plan is making a decision on if you want to keep Rhett Ellison around or not and eventually decide that Caden Smith is going to be your number two guy. In my opinion, I think they should probably get a, get rid of Rhett Ellison. He also has had injury problems. He's much older, and I don't think that he serves as much of a threat as Caden Smith does. No, Ellison is a very reliable tight end when he's on the field. And again, he he had a concussion this year that was a problem for the Giants at a number of positions all year long. But yeah, he's like Ingram, he needs to be on the field. But Ellison is a reliable pass catcher, he's a reliable blocker, but he isn't really a dynamic player on in really either of those facets. And Considering his contract, you know, he's got a little over $7 million, or he counts a little, counts for a little bit over $7 million against the Giants cap in 2020. I'm not sure how you can justify paying that for a number two tight end who may or may not even really figure into your offense. Yeah, and Ellison hasn't done enough to really prove that he deserves to stick around. I think he saw a lot more from Caden Smith. He saw more consistency of of just being on the field from Caden Smith towards the end of the season. I'd rather lean on the younger guy that could develop into a better player than keeping around Red Ellison, who is, again, on the older side. He's getting close to 30. He's not really a viable option, and it would save them a ton of money if they got rid of him. The other thing, too, for the offseason plan would be letting Scott Simonson walk. He's going to be an unrestricted uh, free agent. I don't think there's any reason for them to really bring Scott Simonson back. He barely contributed, and as soon as Caden Smith came in, he was playing over Scott Simonson. So 
if you really want to keep him around as the third tight end, I could see it. But I think that that third tight end role could be better off with them taking another undrafted free agent or bringing in someone else that's better than Simonson. Yeah, Simonson is really kind of Red Ellison light. Yeah, he's he's an oak. He's a fine guy. He can play special teams. He can be a number three tight end. He's not expensive, but he doesn't really add all that much to your offense. And it's tough to have on a limited roster guys who just are there. Maybe one other option would be for Ellison to take just a straight pay cut and you know, say we can either release you and you can test the free agent market or we can bring you back on you know maybe a little bit more than veteran minimum. But if the Giants want to have a, th- a third tight end, they can do better than Simonson and they need they can't have him being paid what Ellison is being paid. All right, so in terms of doing things differently for this week's tight end show, we're not going to be discussing free agent options for the tight end position because that's really not something that is major for the Giants to really worry about. They could bring in somebody as a depth piece, but attacking bigger name tight end free agents like Eric Ebron or Vance McDonald, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. None of those names are really that tempting for the Giants if they really want to bring them in. It it just doesn't make a lot of sense for them to bring in a tight end free agent. But we're still going to discuss the draft class so you understand who's out there, who is a part of the tight end draft class. This is not an endorsement for the Giants to draft the tight end, but just names that you should really be paying attention to and some of the, the, the bigger name players that are in this group. And we alluded earlier in the show in saying that this tight end draft class is really not that good. It's a huge step back from last year's draft class that had multiple guys drafted in the first round and also had a couple guys able to contribute right away as rookies. This class is very different. It's going to be mostly second-round guys or later. The two bigger names to really know in this draft class that are in that second-round range are Missouri's tight end Albert Okuwebum and then also Bryce Hopkins from Purdue. As you can tell, that that name is not easy to pronounce, so I probably butchered it. But there are some other players that are rising and that also could be talented tight ends coming out of this year's class. Yeah, you know, maybe a little bit further down the draft board, you know, day three prospects. The guy who's interesting to me is Cole Kmet out of Notre Dame. And part of what is interesting to me is that he is a two-sport athlete. But while you usually expect tight ends to be basketball players as well as football players, Kmet is a baseball player. And to me, that is just that is just kind of unique and something you don't see all that often for that position. You know, sometimes receivers, running backs, quarterbacks increasingly are also baseball players, but not too often tight ends. You know, I just as an aside, I still think Aaron judge would make an amazing tight end, but that (laughs) he's not in this draft class. Uh, And then, just from a measurables perspective, Colby Parkinson out of Stanford, you know, at 6'7", 251, that's another guy who could contrast to Evan Ingram and Caden Smith as maybe a more traditional inline tight end, just climb the ladder, top shelf, you know, get the football off the top shelf type guy. 
Yeah, there's a lot of other names, too, to watch here, and these perspective rankings are going to be adjusting. But in terms of players that are getting a lot of buzz in terms of how much they could be rising over the whole draft process, the first one you have to talk about is Adam Troutman from Dayton, who played at a very tiny FCS school but still was a hugely dominant force in the red zone for the Dayton Flyers. He's 6'6", around 250, big, big body, and he's going to show out during the senior bowl. I can guarantee it. He didn't really have an opportunity to explode because he was going against these smaller guys. And I think some scouts might've been a little bit questioning if he's going to be able to do that at the next level. And he'll probably have a very, very good day at the senior bowl. And then another tight end at the senior bowl from a smaller school is Charlie Tomo from Portland state. He's a bit on the smaller side of six foot three, very similar to Evan Ingram in terms of size and build. Could see him also rising up if he has a good showing at the Senior Bowl. Troutman is definitely going to be interesting at the Senior Bowl just because of how many good quarterbacks are going to be there. Maybe not the top-level guys. Like, Well, actually, I, I don't know if Joe Burrow is going or not. He is a senior. Uh, Tua is still dealing with his hip injury, and he was an underclassman anyway, so he wasn't going to get invited. But Justin Herbert's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma is going to be at the Senior Bowl. Anthony Gordon will be there uh, out of Washington State. I have recently been seeing some buzz pick up around him as as a really nice thrower of the football. Uh, if you remember, that's where Gardner Minshew came from last year. Shea Patterson, who is endlessly frustrating to watch. Uh, Jordan Love, big, big-armed quarterback, really athletic. It'll be interesting to see if he can put it all together. We will be doing a Senior Bowl show or two, I believe next week, but just the quality of the quarterback is going to be a big step up for this small school guys and that really could allow them to show out for scouts we'll be paying attention to what happens during these all-star games for the senior class and also seeing what happens with the tight end draft class again not a huge necessity for the new york giants in drafting one but good to know the names if they do happen to take someone That is going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to send any questions you have in either to us on social media at Big Blue View, at Joe DeLeon, and also at Raptor MKII, or you can send them into our Facebook page. Additionally, the best medium of sending it in is through our official Gmail, BigBlueView at gmail.com. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us.